0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Morning! Morning. I feel really close. I'm going to pull back a little bit. I'll pull this too. Sorry, Carlos. You don't stink or nothing. You stink, John. That's why I'm getting back. Anyway, um, morning. I'm glad uh, to be here with you guys. I'm I'm honored to to be able to to share what the Lord's been showing me these last couple weeks. And um, yeah, I don't know uh, how many people are new-ish, but uh, when I preach I have a tradition that some people are not fond of but what I do is I sleep in the clothes that I'm going to preach in the next day especially my wife is not fond of it (laughs) she's like get your shoes out of the bed I'm like, no (laughs) Um, no, I don't put my shoes on in the bed (laughs) but all my clothes I do wear them so, it just, it makes it, you know, there's less things to think about in the morning. You can just get up, spend time with the Lord, just kind of move up. And you don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear, you know. So, it just works out better that way. You should try it. If you ever, if you ever need to do something like that, just try it. Um, Alright, so today we are actually, we're going to be in uh, Deuteronomy 8. Um, you know, uh, the way that we, that we structure our Bible studies is kind of how I've structured my my quiet time with the Lord, and and how I've been able to really dive deep into, um, just what He has for me in it, and so that's kind of what I did here in Deuteronomy eight. Is I broke it down as if I was kind of leading a Bible study, uh, into sections, and and I chunked it out. You know, you hear that word all the time. You know, like chunk out those the sections of, the the chapter and. And uh, then work from that, and so that's kind of what I've done here. And uh, so, but today, what we're going to really be looking at is uh, the concept of remembering and 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 going back to a place uh, where you can remember the joy of your salvation. Right? Um, it seems like something that that shouldn't. It seems like uh, common sense almost, but. Uh, it's something that I think you'll see a lot of the times we forget. Like, And it's easy, especially when we're looking at passages in the Old Testament where we see um, the Israelites are walking through the wilderness and they, they start to to do things where you're just like, are you kidding me? Like you don't trust God in that situation when he did that thing for you? And like now you're going to question what his motives are, or like how he's going to move in your life. And it's so easy to point the finger until you realize, like, oh, wait, I do the same thing. Like, you know, okay, so that's going to be basically what we're looking at. Before I go any further, I'm going to get my water. I have this big mug over here. Big old worker man mug. Lisa, at least some Subaru. Barely fits under this thing, you know what I'm saying? Sorry, guys. Okay, man, I hope that doesn't fall, Um, but yeah, so I'm going to pray, and then let's just get into it, okay? Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for today, God, I thank you for the blessing it is to be a part of a church body that finds it necessary to teach us the Word of God, and to disciple, and to, to live life with each other, and to hold each other accountable to your Word, and um, god you 're just so good, and uh, I thank you for giving me this message, uh, even if it means nothing to anyone else god i 'm thankful that you taught me something through this, and um, that i i 'd pray that as we go through this passage that you 'd be softening the hearts of everyone here for us to to really evaluate if we 've forgotten uh, the joy of our salvation right and so um, Lord, I just pray that you 'd be glorified and I pray that Decisions would be made today, God, and that souls would be saved, Father, Lord. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, I'm going to start out without my glasses, and but I have them here just in case my eyes get really tired really quick. But I don't like wearing them. Um, so we're going to start out in verses one through six of Deuteronomy uh, eight, and um, you see the the key kind of topic over that one through six. You'll see it in the, you can go into the next slide, is uh, remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee, right? And so my first key point is remember what Christ delivered you from. Remember where Christ brought you from. You know, and again, like I said at the beginning, like it's, it's kind of like when you first get saved, when you're delivered from what you've been delivered from, you cannot imagine forgetting that thing. You can't. Like You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to forget what happened here. And then give it a little bit of time and distance from that, that situation or that thing that God delivered you from, and you'll find yourself back in it. You can find yourself back in a situation where you're you're forgetting what God delivered you from in the first place because you're doubting Him and, and whatnot. And so um, this is just an example of what God delivered Israel from, and this is the situation they were in, right? They were they were captive in Egypt. Their their relationship with Egypt uh, from Joseph's time had gone sour, and now Egypt was holding them captive, and they were slaves, working hard, backbreaking work. And uh, but God was faithful and just to come and deliver His people from that bondage. And this is what He tells Moses as. The people of Israel are fleeing from Egypt, and the the, the armies are chasing them, and uh, they're they're scared, and they don't know where to go. Moses is leading like something around like 1.5 million people. I don't know why. I have this like, it's like a a weird imagination where I can only imagine like the size of Kaya, <laughs> like, as the Israelites, and then I like really think about it, and I'm like, no, that couldn't have been right. <laughs> There's no way. And yeah, we've grown a lot, but like still, there's no way <laughs> this is it, you know. Uh, there's about 1.5 million people and some that after the fact, or they grew in the wilderness. They were having kids and all that stuff. So there's even more people, whatever. But Moses is scared and he doesn't know where to go. And he's looking to God for, for deliverance. And this is what God says to him. He says, uh, it says and Moses said unto the people, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no, uh, no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they uh, that they go forward, but lift up. Uh, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea and you know when there 's no pictures it 's kind of it 's kind of easy to just gloss over some of the wording and some of the the imagery that 's going on but what 's actually happening is is a famous story you may you may have heard it. But Moses actually is instructed to go, and he, he slams his rod down at the beginning of the, the Red Sea. And what happens is this miraculous feat of the water parting. And, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness. The water parts to where they can walk on the ocean floor. Like that is insane, and they are able to do that. And then you even see after that fact, God protects them to the point when the army chases them, he lets it fall. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that is ridiculous. God literally just, like, opened up the, an ocean for them to walk through. And then when, someone, when, like, the enemies were chasing them, he just was like, Phew. And they are like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I can only imagine the thoughts that were going through their head as the waters were, like, coming back. They were like, ah, why are we here? This is not worth it. This is not worth it. And <laughs> they all died. It was awful. Um... So that's what the Israelites had to remember. That's what they—that's what they had been delivered from, right? So, but what have you been delivered from? What have I been delivered from? I, you know, I can't speak for everyone in here, but I can speak for myself, and I know that I've been delivered of so much stuff that God deserves every bit of me. Yet I find myself back in places often where I'm operating in the flesh, forgetting what He did for me in the first place, right? So you look at Romans eight. Or actually, one of the other things uh, that I had in my notes was Luke seventeen thirty-two, and it's not going to be in your slide, but you can write it down in your notes. But all that verse says is, "Remember Lot's wife." <laughs> like the concept of remembering here is just, is so important. Remember Lot's wife. Why was that? Why would that be important? So Lot's wife was delivered from something horrendous. It, he, she was delivered from God's wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, right? But what happened? She she longed for the, the bondage that she was in, and she looked back after being told, don't even look back, just run. Get out of there. Flee that place. And she stopped, turned around, and what happened is she was turned into a pillar of salt. I can't imagine what that would look like. It's just like a statue, I guess. I don't know what, I don't know what happens with pillar of salt. But that's insane, you know? Uh but the, the fact that all that verse says is just, remember Lot's wife. That's, that's all it is. Praise God. <laughs> I thought someone was, like, coming at me. <laughs> um, okay, so now moving on, though. I'm looking at, you know, what we've been delivered from. And you see in Romans, uh, Romans 8, uh, 2, it says, For the law... Of uh, spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God, man! Before Jesus Christ did what He did, I was in bondage to sin, to any—I mean, to to drugs, to to whatever came into my my realm of life. Like whatever came into my my life, I was like, yeah, I'll worship you, I'll worship that. Uh, And then when it came down to like trying to be right with God, I was like. All right, well, like every few months I'd be like, God, I don't want to go to hell. Sorry for cussing. Like, sorry for doing that thing. Sorry for, you know, whatever. And I never actually had any intention of repenting uh, of, of what I was doing. But, you know, God, that didn't stop God. You know, Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, He still died for us. And he still offered that, that, that branch of salvation to us. And so that's what I can look back and I can say, man, I have been delivered from sin and death. I am no longer, just like the, the Israelites were no longer in the bondage of their captives, or, or their captures. They were, they were free from their bondage, just like we are free. If you have decided to put your trust in Jesus Christ and believe on the finished work on the cross, that he died, rose again in his own power, defeating death. And it, if you believe that, and confess with your mouth, and truly repent of your sin, man, you can always look back to that moment of, of deliverance in those times where things get hard, whatever. You know, the wilderness was a hard place for them. It wasn't like a cakewalk. It could have, honestly, and this is funny, um, Mark Chotter talked about this, I don't know how many years ago now, at one of the family camps. Um, he, he talked about how long the journey actually should have took, and it was actually something like 13 days or something like that. They were in the wilderness for forty years, but even if it would have been thirteen days, or if it would have been if it was forty years, it was still hard. It was not a fun time, um, but it was very necessary. And so it was after this deliverance that they're in this place of being tested and proved in the wilderness, right? And so, man, oftentimes we try and, of course, you won't, you don't want to be. You don't want, and, and James Fife actually taught on this that there are seasons and, and times that God will put you through trials, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. God wants you to be in those situations to prove you and to, to know what's in your heart, right? So let's look at that. Um, hold on, I got to take another sip. Thanks, Sam. This cup is very obnoxious. I, I don't think I can keep doing it. I'll get one of these things, keep it up here. This isn't as cold though um, okay um but yeah, so that was that was one of the things that God showed me too is that look, he uses these times of of wilderness uh and trial for two reasons, and he makes it really clear um, he says um And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. That's verse 2. Right off the bat, verse 2, is he's already talking about why. Why are you in this situation? Well, it's to prove you, to humble you, and whatnot. And uh, so... uh, James four. So first is to humble thee. So James four ten says, "Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up." Uh, 1 Peter five five says, "Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Uh, ye all of uh, you, or ye all of you, uh, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble." And the importance behind humility, why God needs us to be humble, is because you cannot receive salvation if you don't if you're not humble if you're not humbled, you have no concept of the fact that you need a savior in the first place because you're your savior you think you are your salvation uh if you are proud, if you are not being humble, you are your salvation, and you're going to trust in everything that you can provide for yourself, everything that you can do and like I hate to break it to you if that's how you're living, but you're going to always be disappointed, right? I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm glad that you know now if you didn't know that. <laughs> you will be disappointed in the things that you provide for yourself because they are not satisfaction. Um, and the second thing is to prove you, to test you. Uh, so when, after you learn something in school, what happens? You take a test. How many people are in finals week right now? How many tests have you guys taken? Like, I mean, you guys have taken a million tests, I'm sure, in the last like, week or so. And you've written a million papers and uh, had to do like speeches and all that stuff. Uh, but like, the reason for that, the teachers aren't just like bored. They want to make sure that they didn't waste their whole life just investing this, like, seemingly mundane information into your life. Yeah, right, Hannah? Yeah. <laughs> Hannah does it out of spite. Hannah's a teacher. And she does. She's just like, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. no, but teachers want to make sure that the, the investment that they're making in these kids is actually sticking. And that the, that they're not just, like, speaking to empty chairs. They're not just, like, you know. So that's the point of being proven. And so the Israelites had all this awesome teaching, had all these... These incredible stories of how God delivered them from horrible situations that didn't make any sense of how they were going to get out of it. And he was like, okay, and now trust me this way. This is actually, sorry, I forgot to give this context, but this is actually the, nearing the, the end of the Israelites' journey where, where Moses is like talking to this next generation of people who is actually going to get to go into the promised land. Now, the people that had originally gone into the wilderness were so disobedient, including Moses. They were so disobedient that God said, everyone over the age of 20 is not going into the promised land. you're like, "Uh uh-oh, that is... I'm sure everyone over the age of 20, that guy who just turned 21, (laughs) he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, seriously... I'm still kind of twenty, <laughs> you know. But like, this is this is what God was working with. He had he had taught them everything, and then they'd still been disobedient. So he con- he's consistently having to come back to a place of saying, "Hey, remember, remember this. Don't forget this. Remember this. Re- oh, hey, remember this. Uh, don't forget." You know, and he just continuously does it. And it's like when someone. If I'm giving you instructions and I give you a whole list of instructions, but I say, okay, don't forget this though. What are you not going to forget? The very thing that comes right after what I just said. Because I'm going to say, don't forget this, and I'm going to say the most important part of this whole thing. So please, you could forget all the other things, don't forget this. And God continuously is saying that because they forgot. To be honest, they forgot. And how many times does God have to do that with us, right? Um, Alright, so uh, there's, some, there's verses in here. Uh, uh, so Exodus 16.4, Exodus 20.20, 20, they're kind of uh, just more examples of of how uh, they're being tested and proved. And it says, And then, uh, then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. That's, okay. Let's act like that's not a big deal, right? Uh, actually... Fun fact, um, it would have took like, I think it was roughly about fifty boxcars, like train boxcars a day to feed the Israelites, like full of manna. Like you see, they ever got stuck by a train that like is going by, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is never gonna end. That amount of train every day, full of manna raining from heaven. To feed them. God is good, right? Like, that's insane, okay? Uh, anyway, so... And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and that, uh, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Exodus 20, 20, says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. All right? Um, being in these times of wilderness, being in these times of trial... It really reveals what's in your heart. When you're pressed and when you're proved, you know, when God is really trying to figure out if you're going to stick with it, man, that it's when it's the whole analogy of like, well, what comes out when you squeeze a, a lemon? Well, hopefully, lemon juice, you know. But like, if it's rotten on the inside, it's going to be something you don't like. It's not going to be sweet lemon juice and, you know, it's not going to be good. And so, um, Anyway, okay, so let's, uh, let's keep going, let's keep going. Okay, so, um, all right, so we're going to, actually, we can move on to uh, verses 7 through 10, right? And um, I'll just read those real quick. It says, okay, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not, slack, or thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Uh, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. So... Um, to title this second section, uh, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. A good land. And my, my second key point with that is remember that Christ is leading the way, right? Remember that Christ is leading the way. And when Christ is leading the way, there's always something to look forward to. Always. Going back to even like what I said earlier, when you are leading the way, when when you're trusting in what you can provide and what like the the goodness that you have, whatever, I, I can only speak for myself again. When I'm doing that, I usually hit like a wall and it's not fun and whatever I've provided for myself sucks. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah I'm just still mad. I'm still like upset with myself and I'm not in like a I'm not experiencing this joy that I feel like I should have. Even if it's like I successfully did what I wanted to do you get to the end of that and it's like oh man but with God he's leading the way and when he's leading the way there's always something to look forward to right man it's so simple but it's so it's so easily it, it escapes our mind that like you know and I was going to do an uh, a little like interactive thing but I didn't know how long it would take where I was going to have someone hide something and I would blindfold myself and then have someone whoever hit it I was going to have them like direct me to that but spoiled it. Can't do it now. And uh yeah, maybe yeah, maybe next time I'll have Sam hide something and next time. Okay. But um even if it doesn't match with like my sermon next time, I'll just like do it. Just to, like <laughs> just like but remember I said I was gonna do it, remember. <laughs> um, but yeah uh uh so the goodness that was being provided for them in this land was something that they, again, were not supposed to forget the Lord in. They were going to experience all this awesomeness and all this this blessing of not running out of food, never wanting for anything. Uh, and still they're having to be reminded. Okay, but also don't forget. Um, and so it just brings to my my remembrance that I need to allow God to be the one leading my way. And you see in Psalm uh 119 105 it says thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path that's something we all hear It's a, it's a you know passage that everyone for the most part a lot of people in here are familiar with uh but is it reality in your life is it just theory you know things are cool when they're if it's just if it just stays theory though it has no impact on your life for real it has to actually come into play Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And it's like, man, I don't know if I do that all the time. But I'm so thankful for brothers and sisters, and and I'm thankful for my wife that she can remind me of when I'm doing that. There's probably no one else in this room that calls me out as quickly as my wife does when I'm walking in the flesh. And it's awesome, and I'm very thankful for it, because I can uh, be blinded by thinking I'm like something, you know? And we all, I think at some level, people can start to think, like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, you know, like, I think I've got this a little bit figured out. And then you realize, like, actually, I'm just, like, I'm trying to be, it's like, I don't know. Like, you, you can't be your own lamp. You can't be your own like Christ has to be that thing that's in front of you, you know. If you're trying to be your own lamp, sometimes at work we do this. I'll do this funny thing where like my coworker will be like, "Hey, I can't really see you, like what these brakes look like. Can you see if these are good?" And I'll like come up with my flashlight and I'll turn it around where the light's in my eyes and I'll like look in there and be like that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> they love that one. <laughs> We love it, but that's super like foolish and silly, obviously. But it's like that's what we look like when we try to be our own light. We try and like lead our own way. We're like, this is awesome. Like with this is a flashlight. We're like, yeah, I know exactly where I am. Um. Anyway, God's plan is perfect, right? Um. Romans 8.28 says, And we know all, uh, that all things work together for, uh, for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Who's called? Everyone is called. Everyone's called to salvation, right? So that's you, that's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. It's everyone. Everyone in this room has been called. Whether you've accepted that free gift of salvation or not, I'm here to let you know that you have been called by God, the creator of the universe, to follow Him and to allow Him to lead your way, Right? And uh, John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He has something so much better for us. Nothing in this world, good or bad, is worthy to even compare to what God has for us. Uh, like All the, the vain imaginations you have of the perfect house and whatever, it's not even worthy to be compared. And people can get lulled to sleep thinking like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, whatever actually the other day I found a I just happened to stumble upon a video that was uh, someone made a video of Lazarus and the rich man and it was really cool and uh, it shows the the rich man um, you know enjoying all the things he has and, and whatever and it says he's in this huge house this big mansion and whatever and uh, he thinks he's like on top of the world and obviously what happens is he's he's thanking God that he's not like this this poor leprous uh, man where he's like this guy's got to be far from God. I'm thankful that I'm rich. I'm thankful that I have all the things, but really he's just thankful that he's rich. So he's you know whatever. And then they die, both of them die, and Lazarus is welcomed into Abraham's bosom, uh, which is you know the paradise before Jesus Christ is bringing everyone to heaven right and so but it's really cool to see I'm a visual learner and so to see it like depicted in that way it was really really interesting where Lazarus is welcomed into paradise and the rich man is just like burning in hell and it's like man even like he thought like he reached the pinnacle but God is preparing a place for us right and the place is so much better than what we what we've prepared it's so much better. Not even worthy to be compared. Uh, uh, when we forget those things also, when we forget that he's preparing it, man, we fall right into the trap of Satan. Right? Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And it's like, man, there's so many reasons to stay in remembrance. You know, and it's one thing to say it, another thing to actually do it. And it's going to take it takes a village, you know. It takes all of us working together and glorifying Christ in, in, in all of our lives and holding each other accountable, loving each other the right way, uh, to keep us in remembrance, right? Um, man, I can't I can't express how how bad that that hit me. I was just like, man, I forget so quickly, um, but um. All right, so let's move on. We can move on to 11 through 20. Uh, this is this is uh, an awesome, awesome part. You know, one thing that happened this this like over the preparing for this is I actually like thought that the Lord might have changed my sermon after I'd been working on it for like two weeks, and I was like, oh man, maybe I'm supposed to preach on Psalm 51. And I was actually talking, Tori, where are you at, Tori? I was uh, me and Victoria were talking, and. She was like, well, maybe you don't have to switch it. Maybe just like use it in there." I was like, yeah, "That was really good." But one, of the, <laughs> thankful for my sister. Um, but one of the things that happened was like in that time where I was thinking that the Lord was going to change it, I started to study out Psalm 51 and trying to like see what the Lord would have from that. And it ended up, I just ended up writing an essay. Which, if you know me, I'm not an academic. I'm not. I don't usually. Spend my free time writing essays. <laughs> usually, not not doing that. You say usually because I just did that. Um, but I did. And um, actually, I gave it to Hannah, and so maybe we'll have it in a place where it's um, accessible, maybe on the blog or something, for you guys to read. But. Um, it's just interesting to see how uh, David forgot, you know, and I'll get more into it in a little bit, but it just gets me excited and uh, to see um, how quickly I can get to that place of forgetting, but then also the joy of remembering. Like, man, the joy of remembering even just like good times, (laughs) Like, the times that I, me and John have got to just, like, hang out and, like, kick it and, like, go to concerts and, like, just have a fun time. When I think back on that stuff, like, I'm having a good time, you know? It's just a joyful thing to think of, getting to spend time with good friends, you know? And uh, how much more joyful is it to think back on just getting to, like, spend time with God or, like, Him saving you from, I'm sure, I've, it's never happened, but if, uh, well, no, actually, you know, I've I've had a friend save my life before, where one time, being dumb, we walked out on the ice uh, at 3 in the morning. We had snuck out of my friend's house, and we were like 13, and uh, walked on the ice, and uh, my friend Barrett had walked out in front of me. He was fine. So I was like, cool. He had like jumped on the ice. So I was like, cool. And so I was like, Okay. You know, and I, step, and I take like three steps, and I'm like, and I just like fall straight through the ice. And it's like you hear about people dying that way all the time. Like people do die that way. And I was so scared because I like went all the way under the ice. I was in a suede P. Miller jumpsuit. So it was like heavy. It was like, man, I love that thing. I had my FUBU shoes on for us, by us, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and uh, I was, like, trying to get back on the ice and whatever. And uh, it was like all of it was, like, breaking around me. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here, right now. And luckily, I, like, was able to get close enough that my friend Derek, like, pulled me back up onto the dock. And then I had to walk back. We couldn't call our, our parents. We snuck out. To walk back, so I was like, "Ugh, that's that, su- that suede jumpsuit. <laughs> that was heavy and cold. It got it was stiff within like <laughs> 30 seconds." But thinking back on that moment, where my friend Derek saved my life, maybe I don't know if I would have died. I don't know. I guess you technically could have died. But thinking back on that is a joyful moment. One because it's just funny to think of now, but two. Because my friend had my back and he saved me from dying. And that's like God saved my life. I was destined to hell and he saved me. So to think back on that, whoa, what is more joyful than to think of someone saving your life? It may be scary to think of like how close you were to death. But man, I'm out. I made it. (laughs) Praise God. I'm out. I, I got, I'm safe. I am saved. I'm saved. And so. Um. Yeah, that hit me. Um, okay, so 11 through 20. Um, I'll go ahead and read that as well. Um, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in, in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, um, who led thee, Through the great, the great and terrible wilderness, wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions, and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? I don't know if you are familiar with that story, but that's also incredible. Uh, At one point, the people in the the Israelites, they were saying, um, "Did God just deliver us from Egypt just to kill us out here in the wilderness?" Because, man, we haven't drank anything in, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> it was probably longer than that. But, you know, uh, that, that was their attitude. They were like, man, I think God just brought us out here to kill us. I think that's really what's happening right now. Uh, we don't have any water. The food is, we're just eating heaven bread. It's <sighs> um, It's dry. I like to think that Mano, it's just just a funny picture. It's not even close, I'm sure. But if they're just like uh, biscuits from like KFC, (laughs) it's like, and they're like, oh my gosh, my mouth's so dry. (laughs) I'm like, trying to enjoy it, but it's like, oh, they're like choking. People are choking to death. Um. But, yeah, so they're, they're in this situation, and, and Moses, they're threatening to, like, kill Moses. They're like, yeah, well, we're going to die. You're going to die. I'm stoning you to death. And so Moses, his, his reaction is how our reaction should be when we face a trial. He runs to God, and he's like, God, help. I don't know what to do. And God says, take the rod that's in your hand. I want you to go to the rock of Horeb, get your best stance up, hit that rock, And somehow, water is going to come out of that rock. That defies every bit of logic that I have, at least me. Maybe my imagination is just not that great. But it makes no sense. But that's what he tells them to do. And he goes and does it. And you know what happens? Take a guess. Water comes out of that rock. It's so much water that they're like, whoa, we can all drink water forever. And they're so happy. And it's insane. I'm just telling you, God is good. Don't forget it, right? Um, verse 16 says, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee. Again, we see that humble. To be humbled and to be proved. Um, and to do uh, thee good at thy latter end. So all this was for their good, right? Whether it took 13 days or 40 years, it was all for their good. Um, Verse 17 says, and and thou say in thine heart, this is scary, this is the scariest part of this this whole chapter. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. You think you're not, you think you're far away from that. You think you're far away from that mindset, but no, you're not. You think you are. But anyone, in our flesh, we are capable of anything. You are capable of accusing God for trying to kill you. You are capable of anything. Man, these, this picture right here is, is meant for us to see and to learn from, and not to just point the finger at them, but, it's like, I mean, we're pointing at a mirror. It's like, if you're pointing at a mirror, where are you pointing? Pointing right back at yourself. There's no way around it. You can't you ever tried to like look around yourself? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Let me be honest, I don't know. I, I haven't always been this saved man that I, will, I am right now. And I know there was times when I was alone, and I tried to look around myself in a mirror. didn't work. And praise God, I've delivered. Um, But when you're pointing the finger at a mirror, you're pointing your finger right back at yourself. And that's what this is. You know, this person, this mindset right here that says it's by my hand, by my power, by my might that I've gotten this wealth. It's a scary thought because any of us can get to that point if you forget. If you forget that he was the one that rained bread from heaven. He was the one that made water come out of a rock. And not even that. Those are so small compared to the things that he's done. If we forget that he was the one that created the universe. Like, it's so easy to, like, view God on this, like, small scale and act like these things are, like, hard for God. Like, this is the reason. Like, he fed the Israelites in, in the wilderness for 40 years with manna. And so... I don't know why when I get to the gospels and I see that he fed five thousand with, you know, a couple like loaves of bread and a few fish, I'm like, Wow. Wow. That's insane. It's like to him he was like, What are you talking about? Like that's why he was so nonchalant about it when the guys were like, But Lord, we only have this many. And he's like, Okay? Like <laughs> Okay. I did it with none. <laughs> like, uh, and it, again, we, we forget so much, man. Like, there's times where I'm like, we'll look at our bank account, and it's like, we spent more money than we made. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't make sense. That's, uh, somehow we paid our bills. I don't know how, though. And, but praise God, he is good, and he's faithful to get us through like, whatever happens in our life. But yet again, when that next thing comes up, some, I find myself scrambling and trying to be like, okay, okay, i got to do this thing. I get this done. Because... It's going to be by my hand, by my might, that anything happens. God forbid that be my mindset, right? And, I'm, man, I'm praying that that would be the same for everyone in this room. Like, man, if, whether you are a saved person, someone who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or you've never even heard the name Jesus, I want you to know, man, it is not by your power that anything is going to actually get done. It's only by him. And phew, I'm so thankful that that's actually a lot of weight, too. If it's all on you, that's a stressful life. You show me someone who's trying to work for their, like, perfection, and I'll show you a stressed out dude. <laughs> like, as someone who is stressed. And uh, anytime I've said that to, like, a lost guy, they're like, yeah, I'm stressed. <laughs> I actually had that conversation with my coworker the other day because he it was – It was that conversation where I was sharing the gospel, and he was just basically like, Yeah, I'm trying to be good, and I mean, that's stressful. I try to be good, it's stressful. Um, But man, um, mm. are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Does this make sense? Sometimes you can get going, and I'm not sure if it's like, what I'm saying is making sense, but uh, again, my mouth is very dry, and so forgive me if you're hearing a lot of like mouth smacking. But this means a lot to me, guys. <sighs> um. Okay, so Deuteronomy. 8, 12 through 14 shows me that we can be in a place of mouth service to God while at the same time, and you get to verse 17, it can show and prove that, like, okay, I can be living the life, I can be living a Christian life, and still actually be trusting in myself, right? So let's, I don't want to forget that. And, um, but man, um, hold on, I lost myself. So, I'm going to start wrapping up. I, I want to start talking about Psalm 51, actually. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to end early or not, but I'm not crazy worried about it. But, so, so, in Psalm 51, David, what, we're, what, we're, what we see David in, we see David in a place where um, he is broken over his sin, and I I don't know if, I don't know if everyone, there's a chance, there's, there has to be a chance that everyone in here has not heard the story of of King David and what he did, Uh, and so this psalm is his repentance of this sin, and I'm going to explain it, so what he did was, he was the king at this time, and while his army was out at war, they were at battle, where he was supposed to be, right, uh, he actually stayed back didn 't go to war, and he was at home and while he was at home like slurking his like he was he was like like slacking on his duties he wasn 't doing what he was supposed to be doing and he looks over he 's like hanging out on out by his window, he looks over and he sees little mom over there showering and he 's like what 's going on instead of saying, man, I shouldn't even be here. What am I doing here? Zoop to war. And he, like, should have gone and ran to war at that moment right then and there. But he didn't. He kept looking, right? And so he gets, instead of just ending it there and just being like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't do done that. I'm just going to stay, whatever. He goes, hey, will you go talk to little mama over there and see if she will come over to me and we can talk, see if I can talk to her. As he sends his friend to go get her, brings her back, and nothing good happens. I tell you what, when you entertain sin, when you invite sin into your life, does anything good come of it, other than learning how to not do that? other than learning that God's uh, chastening is real, other than learning that God will like, whoop you if you do that thing, you know right? Um, and it's no fun. That's, that's the only thing you're going to learn from that, right? Um, so he brings her over. He has relations with this woman. He gets her pregnant. And then uh, it turns out this woman is the wife of his, like, one of his good friends, someone who is a leader, one of his, like, most high-ranking leaders in his army, Uriah the Hittite. That's where Uriah is, gets his name. I don't know where Uriah is at. He's probably sick, throwing up somewhere. He's not feeling good. Oh, Uriah, you're back there? No, i over here. Guys, like, oh, trying not to throw up. <laughs> and uh, so, it's it's the wife of Uriah the Hittite, right? And um, so now he has gotten this woman pregnant. He has to come up with a plan to to solve the issue, right? And his solution to this issue is all right. Let me have. He calls. Uriah to come home from war, and he's like, hey, man, spend some time with your wife. Be a good husband. You should spend some quality time with your wife, please. (laughs) The the idea behind it is that he would have sex with his wife, and that they would think nothing of it. They would think, oh, wow, we're having a baby. You know, that's awesome. Uh, Hey, you know, David, hey, you heard what happened? Like, we're having a baby. You know, it's like that's what his plan is, right? But Uriah comes back, and he's like, no, I will not enjoy the pleasures of this world when my men are dying at war. And so he's like, nope. He like doesn't even like go into his house. Like he's, and David's like, Ugh. come on, man. <laughs> just please go in there. <laughs> he really wants it to happen so that he can get out of this sin. And man, isn't that us? Don't we just try and cover our sin and cover our sin and... And it just folds back on itself, folds back on itself until it comes back, right? So it did come back on David to where he now, Uriah won't do that. So what he does is he sends Uriah back to where he's like, okay, that's noble, man. I'm thankful that you're a leader of mine. Go back to war, and I want you to fight good. And he sends him back. But at the same time, he pulls the rest of the army back and sending Uriah into his death, knowing that Uriah was going to face an entire army by himself. Uh, also, Uriah is counted as a mighty man. And so uh, he probably didn't go down without a fight. Like, I like to imagine in my head that, like, he probably took down at least 100 dudes. And he was just like, wah, wah, like, before he died, like King Leonidas, you know, 300. And, uh, but anyway, either way, he goes and he dies. And he's murdered this man now, knowingly sending him into his death. And so. Now David's like, cool. I can even like be open about our relationship with be- my relationship with Bathsheba now. Like I can be like, cool. Like no one even has to think this is weird now. And uh, he has done the deed. He has killed Uriah. He has taken his wife. He is having a child with his wife, and um, he's living the life. He-, he thinks he's clean. He thinks he like got away with it. And Nathaniel the prophet at one point comes. And Romeo actually explained this at the, uh, the poetry slam the other day or whatever that was. What is the slam? Would you call that a poetry slam? Showcase. That's what it was. I was like, what is the word? Um, I like slam better. Poetry slam. Uh, but Nathaniel the prophet comes and says, uh, all right, so there's this poor man. He has one sheep. And, man, this rich dude came. He had a, he had a guest over. He came and took this poor man's one sheep. And slaughtered it, gave it to his guest. Isn't that awful? And David's like, who is he? I'll kill him right now. He's going to die. And Nathaniel the prophet says, it's you. And you know how sober King David had to have gotten at that moment? When he realized he didn't get away with his sin. And brother or sister, I'm letting you know, you don't get away with your sin. Whether you are found out in this life or the next life, you don't get away with it. So stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to like, act like everything's perfect. Repent of your sin because you will be found out. It's promised you will be found out. Man, you will be. And so, so King David is in this position where he's now like, oh my gosh, like everyone knows, God knows, I'm ruined. And that's where we see David in Psalm 51, right? What he says, he starts out uh, repenting. He says, uh, "Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according un, uh, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions." <laughs> so this this whole psalm is just right after Nathaniel tells him this, and he goes and he just pours his heart out to God, and he's like, "Just oh my goodness," um, and. You know, one of the things that he says, you get near to the end of the, the chapter, and whereas David's solution before for sin was trying to cover it up, all this stuff, now you see what his solution is here in verse 12, and I'm starting uh, verses uh, 10. Uh, verse 10 it says, Create, I'll start in verse 9. It says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of my uh, iniquities. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And this is his solution right here. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. His solution before was to cover it up. His solution now is to be restored to the joy that he had when he was delivered, when he was being led by God out of a place of being chased, but out of being, his life was in danger, and God had delivered him, and he's saying, restore to me the joy that I had at the moment of my salvation. Ugh, that is what I need. All these things, all these, like the sin issues in our life, the, 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 the hustle and bustle, and the things that can just get us anxious, and stressed out, and fear, and all those things. The answer isn't to just try harder. The answer isn't to, to do more stuff. The answer is to return to the joy of your salvation and remind yourself of why you're even doing this in the first place. Why, why are we Christians? Why, why am I doing anything that I'm doing? And man, I forget so quickly. And man, David forgot. And he knew as soon as Nathaniel said that, those words that came out of Nathaniel's mouth, David said in his heart, he went, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot what did what God did for me. Who am I to think I got away with one? Who who am I to think I got one over on God? I forgot who He is, right? Boy. Um. I think I skipped that key point number three. Sorry. If 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 you saw it come up, let's remember who has the power. And I think we just kind of talked about all those things. If that that is God and his power that is delivering you. I'm sorry, but um, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at, uh, realizing. So the key question for us I want, to, want us to leave with is, you know, have you forgotten the joy of your salvation? And, like, chew on it. I, I, I would say even ask yourself this question once a week, every day. I don't know. You know, ask yourself this question often. Um, and then, secondly, part B of that question—you know, key question—part B is: Have you ever experienced the joy of salvation? Because I may be talking, and you may just be like, "Man, I don't even know what you what you mean by the joy of salvation." I've never accepted Jesus Christ, and um, yeah, I'm going to wrap up. And your eye, if you if you want to come up and lead us in, in a song, that's that's my invitation. Is if you've never. If you know that you, you, you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you have questions, and questions that have never been answered, you have doubts that have never been answered, you have uh, thoughts in your mind that's like, man, I can't, I'm not what I am not, hold it. And just ex- just ask the question of, can I be saved? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You can, no one is too far for God to reach. So please, if, if you've never actually uh, put your trust in Jesus Christ, man, I would encourage you to please, we'll have counselors up here um, ready and willing to talk uh, through any, any circumstances that you're going through and, and to explain and to help guide you through how God is good and how he has continuously proved himself to a people who don't deserve to be proved anything to. But he's still done it for you because he loves you. Just like you're always saying, he's a good father. And he desires to spend all his time with us. All right? So um, that's, that's it. And uh, we're going to close in some worship. And I, if, if you're a counselor, please come up and um, be ready to receive people up at the front. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to share with you what God gave me. Um, that's it. hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times, and information about our disciple making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.